0: This is Justin Breen from Brepik. And if you want to be a better communicator, you should be listening to the Art of Communication podcast with Greg Rice.
1: Welcome to the Art of Communication, where entrepreneurs learn to grow their business more effectively through mastering their ability to connect to others. Whether you're looking to increase revenue, widen your network, or just getting others to buy into your vision, we'll help you dramatically transform your business and life by communicating more effectively, improving your leadership skills, and reinvesting time back into your family. You're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and your life, so let's start the conversation with your host, Greg Rice.
2: What's up, guys? Today I'm talking with Justin Breen. Justin is the founder and CEO of Brepic, where he helps clients gain national and global media attention by telling their story in a way that helps them to go viral. He's also a best-selling author. His book, called Epic Business, is the story of how he has built his company over the past couple of years. And he's a life-changing connector. And we talk a lot about his networking expertise, uh, how he makes no less than 10 life-changing connections per day. Right. Every single day. That's a ton. And that is really, really powerful. And he talks about how that's paying off for his business, but also how he just loves doing it. Right. We talk about how he's built his business by only working with exceptional people and companies. He's a really direct guy. And he says no to a lot of potential clients. He doesn't deal with nickel and diamond clients. He doesn't deal with clients who aren't visionary like he is. But it's been so empowering for him to do that. It's definitely something that I think we can learn from. And he shares the keys on how to write a story that has a high potential of going viral. So you don't want to miss that. So just a ton of value here for how to build amazing connections and relationships and how to grow a business the right way. Justin, thank you so much for joining me on the Art of Communication podcast. Super excited to have you on today.
0: Greg, man, I'm pumped. Great to be here.
2: <laughs> I appreciate your enthusiasm. Thanks. Um, and I, I think that there's a ton that we'll be able to talk about that'll be valuable for the audience coming out of your experience from starting Rebic and and all that you shared in, in your book. So we'll definitely get into that. But I'd love to start off by just going a little bit back to the beginning on how the idea for Brepit came about and how you developed it over time.
0: Yeah. So I'll say this as quickly as possible. Uh, I was a journalist for 20 years and uh, February 10th, 2017, five minute meeting uh, at my full-time job with the uh, managing editor and the owner of our company. And uh, my job salary was cut in half due to to cutbacks. Nothing I had done wrong. It was just two other folks were, their jobs were terminated that day. So Spent the next few weeks trying to find a full-time job. It's a nightmare trying to find a full-time job, as everybody pretty much knows. On April sixteenth, two thousand seventeen, I decided to incorporate while working full-time. Nobody knew about it uh, that I had my own company. The next six weeks, reached out to five thousand people to get my first five clients. So one out of a uh, thousand nine hundred ninety-nine knows for every yes. Got my fifth client resigned from my full-time job the next day. And then Robert feeder, who's uh, the top media columnist in the Midwest did a story that I had started my own firm. That was like June 5th, 2016 or 17, excuse me. So that's, that's uh, how I started the company and it's been upward and onward ever since.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, it's so important, I think, for folks to hear all the no's that you got, especially initially, <laughs> right? And you probably get getting no's all the way through, but some folks you oh, know and they they Still stop. mostly
0: no. Still mostly no. If you yeah, can't yeah. accept, um, so everybody, you know, I wrote this in the book, but it's like people are seeing all the success I'm having and it's like, oh, they're happy for me and stuff. I'm like, well, a couple things. One, it's mostly, mostly failure. Even now with all the success my company's had, it's still mostly no. And then... You know, they didn't see me at two or three in the morning when I had zero clients, zero revenue, like what the heck am I going to do with my life kind of stuff. So like most of the really good entrepreneurs that I know, and I know tens of thousands who are running seven, eight, nine, ten figure businesses, most of them have in their life have had overwhelming amounts of failure, depression, you know, ADD, ADHD, whatever, like have overcome incredible odds to far more incredible odds that I've had to overcome to create a successful business so that's that's entrepreneur life that's just how it is so like you know if you can't handle or you don't think you can handle that or you're going to quit when you hear no a couple times and then, then this is not the life for you for sure
2: completely agree with that yeah now you alluded to your network there and i know a big focus of yours at uh, your current spot in your company is about being a global connector but I know you talk about talking to, or at least having, making 10 life-changing connections every day. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you've built to that point and your mindset behind that.
0: It's a really good question, man. I'm glad you asked that because uh, I do a lot of interviews and people are far more fascinated with uh, how my brain works in terms of connecting people than they are with PR, which is actually what makes my company money. So it's very interesting. <laughs> like I have a PR firm, but really what my company is on a much higher level of thinking is this uh, global incubator of geniuses around the world. And we're constantly introducing each other for mutual gain. And the byproduct is I'm constantly getting intros to companies around the world that want to hire my firm. So most of my day, 90% of my day is talking to visionaries around the world. And it's not really about business. It's just about life. And then my brain can... Um, it's it's a hundred percent it's a superpower very few people have this superpower but like they can say something obscure or whatever and i'll be like oh i know someone in australia that thinks the same way and then i'll just connect them and then a week later they'll be like how did you know how to do that this person's like my new best friend and we had all these synergies and connectivity and we're potentially doing business together i'm like i don't know it just popped into my head so i'm just able to mesh people's brains. I don't write anything down or anything. It's just all floating around in there. And it's like a supercomputer. And, uh, and so I'm really good at that in PR and basically useless to society besides that.
2: <laughs> I doubt that, but
0: oh, I, and besides being a good dad and a decent husband, I really don't have any other functional skills, but I know that about myself. And so just keep doubling down and, and just continuing to refine and enhance those capabilities.
2: Yeah. I think knowing yourself is a critical skill for sure. So it sounds like you're not just matching up people from a business perspective, right? Like, Hey, this guy would be good to work with that guy. You're thinking about personality matches. as well. Absolutely.
0: A hundred percent. You're completely, so it has nothing to do with business and everything to do with business. So I only work with visionaries who look at things as investments, not costs. If my brain does not mesh with someone, it's going to go horribly wrong very quickly. So the way my brain works is I'm able to mesh people's brains with other people's brains and they'll either become friends, maybe they'll do business together, but the business is the byproduct of a real relationship. Mm-hmm. Transactional nonsense, that's lower level thinking. And um, that's how I used to think when I started my company. Thus, the, I reached out to 5,000 people to get five clients. So my uh, closing rate is far higher now because I only work with the right people that, that think like me. I don't want to say work with people. I partner with people that have the same type of mindset that I do. So again, when you're constantly connecting people at a very high level, then the byproduct is those people connect you with other people that think like that. Or when they have a need for what my company actually does to make money, they introduce them to me because not only do they know that I'm good at PR, but they know that I'll, uh, you know, introduce them to all these amazing people. So it's pretty simple when you, look at things like that. But then also a lot of people are like, uh, what are you even talking about? So it's just weeds out all the nonsense. And I only focus on what I like to do and what I'm good at.
2: Yeah. And a couple of things I'd like to touch on. One is I love from the book, how you talk about really developing genuine friendships with your partners and the people that you work with. hundred so percent. Tell me a little bit more about that. Does it just happen organically? Is that just kind of how you move to, or is that something that you strive to do?
0: Really good question. It's definitely something that I've learned and how my brain has evolved. So um, I have a partnership, I guess, if you want to call it with a digital marketing agency. So they essentially white, they're really high level ones. So they basically white label me, my firm, uh, when one of their clients needs PR help or whatever. So I had a really good talk with their founder CEO. He's a great guy. And he's like, you know, we were working with this other PR firm before, and they'd never referred us anyone ever. We would refer them all this business and they would never refer anyone to us. I'm like, what? That doesn't even make sense to me. Mm-hmm. There, there are very, there's one person in my network of tens of thousands of people who has sent me more intros than I've sent them one. And, um, so with this digital marketing company in particular, one, I and inv- I have started investing in their company to help my firm with certain things. But also, I've them to, I just introduced them to someone else today because, like, that's what it's about. It's about real partnerships. It's about really developing real relationships and helping people. And then again, like, let's say you you just mentioned earlier, ten. I do ten life changing intros a day minimum. So, let's say I do ten a day, I'll get. Three or four a day easily. So it's not 10 a day and it's almost never more than the intros that I give out, but who cares? It's like if I get three or four amazing intros every day, that's going to turn into serious business for, for me and for, to help my family. So, I mean, it takes you two seconds to make an intro. And with my brain, I can just immediately, it just pings in my head like that's a good intro for someone. So that takes 10 seconds out of my day to do 10 really good intros. Then mm-hmm. that's easy.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I I think a lot of folks are making, you know, one intro a month or a quarter. If uh, that, well,
0: a year, a year. Yeah. So most people don't. So um, I had a really good talk the other day with somebody. And uh, if I start to ramble, I apologize, but I get so, (laughs) I get so passionate about this. And if you get me talking about this, I won't stop because this is like, this is, this is, you know, what I really care about. But I was talking to them and they were just like, um, you know, people don't invest in their brains or connecting with people. They think that, like, just reaching out to thousands of people or cold calling or whatever, that's going to lead to business. And, you know, it will in some capacity. But, like, the way I do things and the people in my network do things, it's just so much better for so many reasons. Financially, it's a higher closing rate relationship wise, you really get to know people and care about them. Mm -hmm. Network wise, it just, you you build this great network of great people It creates endless opportunities for your network and for yourself. So it's, um, it's just never, it never stops. There's no limit to it. And, um, I don't know. I say this a lot, but, and I, I stress it a lot, but I strongly feel there'd be more companies with my, you know, my, um, company's platform where it's a high, or model, I should say, where it's a high price point, low overhead. Uh, You essentially leverage your network on a global level to create endless opportunities for your network and for yourself, and then you're easily able to pivot. So it's not about having a big office or offices around the world or a ton of employees. Like That has nothing to do with it. It's about your team is your network of people on a global level that you're constantly trying to help, and they're constantly trying to help you.
2: Do you have a strategy around staying in touch with the folks as your network gets bigger and bigger? It's easy to lose track of folks, right, over time. So, do you have a strategy for that?
0: So again, I have a really, 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 really weird brain, and I know most <laughs> people can't do this. So, like, I don't forget things. The people that I want to stay in touch with, they, I reach out to. I just know how to get a hold of them. Mm-hmm. And um, what I have started doing, which is pretty interesting is uh, I have a, a, well, I don't know how to even phrase this, but I had a book launch party scheduled for, it was actually scheduled for July. And obviously because of COVID, I can't, you know, we can't have large gatherings of people. So I just invite people to my book launch party. Um, And then um, it's kind of like a placeholder for whenever this does happen, you know, know, then it's like, it's basically a, a database of all these people that are awesome. So that's, but mostly it's just all in my head. And it's like I have an endless capacity to store this knowledge. So, like, people that are like CRM and all, I go, I don't, doesn't, <laughs> I, I, my head is my CRM. So, but if you ask me to install a light bulb or build something, I'll basically have a nervous breakdown. So, that I can't do. <laughs> but this is not hard for me. So, I'm
2: not terribly handy either, but I can't say I have a CRM brain either. So, right.
0: Well, most people don't, but I, and I, and I, I'm very thankful for it, but it's like, this is, and then I, I, that's what I learned about when I wrote my book. I'm like, Oh, that's what my company really is. Mm. It's this weird incubator of amazing people.
2: Go back to something else you said, you mentioned partnering with people who uh, invest, right. And, and don't buy necessarily, or it's not about cost. And I know in the book you talk a lot about even pushing customers away who are nickel and diming, right? Uh-huh. And, and wanting to move towards folks who are willing to invest in a partnership and see the value. So tell mm-hmm. me a little bit more about that.
0: So my business has always done well. It's over three years old. When it really started to do well, really took off is when I raised my rates exponentially. And I found out when I did that at first I had less clients overall. But since they were paying, you know, four or five times is more than what other clients were paying, then I was making more money overall. Mm-hmm. What I found when I was raising those rates was that people stopped asking, "What do you cost or what do you charge?" The people, one, they were serious. They wanted to work with serious people who, whose rates reflected that seriousness. So they, I noticed that people started asking, "What does an investment with you look like?" And uh, then I started to really listen in keenly for when people said that. And when people started saying, what do you cost? or What do you charge? Those people immediately went away. I didn't even have to push them away. They just went away. And so what happened with that is, is that toxic costs, scarcity mindset people, they disappeared. And then uh, investment abundant mindset people just continued to, uh, that just grew and grew. And then those people continued to introduce me to people with investment abundance mindset. So the cost scarcity mindset people, they're toxic because they're toxic personally. They're always going to nickel and dime you and worry about financials. And they're the transactional people that you want to stay away from, in my opinion, based on my experience. So they're toxic. And then the people in their network are likely toxic as well because they only hang out with people their, their brains and my brain don't. And people like think like me, their brains don't mesh because it's like two different species of people. So when you find people with the investment mindset, they usually only hang out with other people with investment mindset because they understand how their brains work and they understand that investing in their business and brands have led their companies to, to greatness. And so those are the only people I work with. And that's why I'm so intentional with how I talk and how I communicate.
2: It's, it's interesting you move that beyond just from a customer base, right? I, I mean, you talk about the importance of who you surround yourself with yeah. and building a network of folks like that who think like you and not building a network of nickel and dime folks.
0: No, so, so I'll dovetail that. So like, it's not a customer base. It's, um, it's a network of great people. The byproduct is that becomes those, a lot of those folks become clients or referral partners or whatever it's a network of these amazing people that I have real relationships with and genuinely care about and genuinely want to help. And, um, it, it's, um, it's different. I don't, I don't look at them as customers. It's like, I'm, I'm like a collector of incredible people. Like I'm involved in all these very high level entrepreneurial organizations. My brain is like almost a, it's almost like a, it's own entrepreneurial organization in in my head. it's really interesting. And then, Cause most of my day is talking to these, to people like this. And it just grows and grows and grows and it creates more opportunity for not only myself, but for my network as well, because um, then I can introduce the new people I meet to the people that are already floating around in my head in my network. So.
2: Sure. And I know you also, you talk about building relationships and related to farming, right? So planting seeds and giving it time to grow. So tell me a little bit about that. Think about that thought process.
0: So, I got distracted there for a second because I got a, I just got a LinkedIn message that popped up where I just introduced two people in Australia Wow. and now they're starting to communicate and I can already tell they're going to be good friends. So that's like this, like my computer phone. It never stops Bing, 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 bing.
2: It's very cool though.
0: So it's, it's, uh, it's just, it's really bizarre, man. It's just a really cool evolution to see like, you know, like, you know, most businesses they try to Or people or entrepreneurs. They try to do everything. They try to be everything to everyone. And I'm not, I'm, I know who my tribe is and I'm very focused on that and intentional. And I don't want to be everything for everyone. And, and I know I'm not answering your question directly and I apologize for that, but it's like, you know, when you, when you know who you are and the, the people that you want to partner with and, people you definitely don't want to partner with and what you like to do and what you don't like to do. It really simplifies everything in life and in business. And it's really cool to not only know that, but then also being like my business is only three years old. So I'm just at the beginning of this and it's only going to get better and better because I just keep meeting better and better people. So it's just very, it's very exciting. Yeah.
2: So shift topics a little bit to uh, you know, the PR firm and the work that you do at Bradbeck, just uh, share a little bit about what you do there and then we'll kind of go from there.
0: I appreciate you asking that. And, um, cause that is how, you know, able to have a nice house and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> enjoy my life with my family and do cool things. So, so I was a journalist for 20 years. I created my entire business model based on how PR firms annoyed me for 20 years. So, um, most PR firms send out these useless press releases and uh, as a journalist, you get hundreds of these a day from people you don't know. So, you know, I talked to a lot of entrepreneurs who are like, Oh, I was annoyed by this. And so I created a company that solves that problem. So that's what I've done here is that, you know, I created a, a very simple, very, very, very simple process. It's only four steps that where my firm, writes Stories. It becomes links on a client's website under news or blog. And then, uh, Uh, The client sends me that link, so it would look like a link you see in the Chicago Tribune or the Cincinnati Inquirer or whatever whatever outlet. I take that link and pitch it to media. If media is interested, I put them in touch with the client contact. So the business is very streamlined, very effective. Works for any business size, any location, any vertical. The only vertical I haven't worked with so far is politics or politicians. I'm not saying I wouldn't do that, but I won't have... Would be very careful about that, and need to make sure that it's someone who I strongly believe in. But mm-hmm. there's no, there's no like everybody's like, who's your ideal client? I go, it's if their brain doesn't mesh with mine. They're gonna disappear very quickly. So that's all my firm does. It does one thing at an extremely high level. It gets extremely good results for clients from a business perspective. Folks hire my firm to grow their business, but more importantly, far more importantly, based on my experience, and my opinion, is create short and long-term credibility and validity for their company to help them stand out from the competition. And when you do that, those links in Forbes or U.S. News and World Report or wherever, they don't go away. So when potential customers for these companies or clients or whoever is looking up the company, they'll be like, oh, these are legitimate brands that are in all these very high level mainstream media publications.
2: And the value of that for a business to get national or even global attention like that is yeah. extremely valuable. Right. And not to necessarily have to pay for it like as an ad. Right. But that's right. Being featured is just tremendously valuable.
0: Yep. So I've had, um, in three plus years of doing this, I've had one client one time do a pay for play, uh, media thing and didn't lead to anything. There's so mm-hmm. much more value. I'm not talking about ROI because like if you look at this in the ROI aspect, you're you're talking to the wrong person. If you look at it in terms of a validity and credibility point and all the, the business opportunities and intros and uh, connections you can make from being in these articles or on these podcasts or during, in these interviews, it's it's endless what can come from that. And me personally, I'm in media constantly because of the book and it's led to multiple great things including uh awareness for my brand speaking opportunities contracts people reaching out to me and it helps my clients as well because i do a good job in these interviews them the hosts want my clients to be on there as well so it's it's great for my clients to get this type of media attention and for me personally my brand it's great as well so i i'm living it and i'm you know doing it for my for my company's clients as well
2: But first, have you guys ever struggled to gain traction driving paid traffic while it seems like your competitors are just having a lot more success? If so, then you're going to love what I put together for you. I mean, how about a free analysis of you versus your top three competitors to gain clarity around what is really working and what isn't and where the opportunities are? Does that sound good? Well, I've partnered with some of the best in the paid traffic business to create inflection marketing. I only partner with the best, no one has more experience. These guys have been doing it since 2001 and they've been helping companies win paid traffic across all channels including Google, Microsoft and Facebook, Instagram and YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter and Amazon. And here's the best part, for anyone who sets up a consultation appointment, we'll provide you with a free competitive analysis comparing your paid per click advertising versus your competitors, looking at things like messaging, keywords, volume, and cost per click, and there's no obligation for this. It'll give you the foundation that you need to succeed whether you decide to work with us or not. So to learn more about how we can help you take your digital marketing game to the next level and drive a true inflection in your paid traffic, as well as get your complimentary competitive analysis, go to gregjrice.com backslash inflection. That's gregjrice.com dot com backslash inflection to schedule a quick discussion to see if there may be a fit here or not. So with that, let's dive into our interview. Yeah. So super high level, what are two or three tips you might give the audience around how to write a really compelling story that <laughs> might be, you know, viral, might have the opportunity to go viral? Certainly not looking for secret sauce. Just a couple tips.
0: Well, to get a secret sauce with that, like this didn't just magically happen for me. I was a journalist for 20 years, went to Absolutely. school for journalism. We started reading the Chicago Tribune on my dad's lap when I was like three years old. So like, if you think you're going <laughs> to go out and write a viral story, good, good luck to you. That said, <laughs> this is a rule I live by and most this is where most press releases get it wrong. And that's why when I was a journalist and I'd get these press releases that I usually would delete, but every now and then as a joke, I would read one. And this is where they miss the mark is that nobody really cares about what you do. They care about who you are, but if they do care about who you are, they will care about what you do. So like people don't, people don't care that I have a PR from They care about how my brain is connects people and creates value for people. So when you're writing a story about yourself or your business, it's like, who are you? Not what your company is. Who are you? That's what, media will care about. And then if they do care about who you are, they, they will care about what you do. But what you do is a footnote to the story. It's not the main part of the story.
2: That's really interesting. And I think we can even put that in the context of, you know, live networking, meeting people live, right? Not droning on and on about what your company does, but just talking about yeah. who you are, getting to know who they are is really important.
0: I don't even bring up what my company does unless someone asks. So again, most of my day is talking to people I started today talking to uh, someone in Melbourne. He's 21 runs a seven foot. No, I'm sorry. He's 22. He runs a seven figure business. He was homeless when he was a teenager. Now his company just expanded. It's in, he's in Melbourne. He just expanded to uh, London, specializes in SEO. He's like, we might have to turn down potential clients coming up because we're so busy. Besides that we barely talked about business. We just talked about life and stuff. I mean, Mm So when you're in these lower-level networking groups, it's like a cattle call or whatever. I don't know. What do they call it? Those kind of things. um, You know, like when you go to a meat market, I don't know, whatever. And it's like nonsense. It's just lower-level transactional nonsense. People are just trying to take from you as opposed to help you. And I was involved in a lot of those groups when I started my business because I'm like, I didn't know where else to go. And I was talking like this, and people are like, I was like an alien going to those groups. So when I found these higher level, much higher investment in, you know, global, international entrepreneurial groups, I'm like, oh, these are the people that think like me. And it was very exciting because it's like, oh, this is what my brain is actually capable of. Not necessarily my business. It's what my brain's capable of. And uh, the byproduct is the business keeps growing and growing.
2: Yeah. It has to be an exciting part of your role, at least I would think it would be, in helping others even realize the value of their story, right? I mean, they know they have this background, but they probably don't understand, hey, people really value this and it can help you build your business. But also, you know, you're doing some tremendous things, right? We need to share that with the world.
0: Most people think they don't have a good story. They're like, oh, am I really that interesting? I go, you know, I wrote two to three stories on deadline every day as a journalist. And my brain is very in tune with what's interesting and newsworthy and clicky. So when someone says something very interesting, it's like, I get bored very easily, but if they say something like that, it might, I just go, oh, that's a good, that's definitely a good story. People are like, really? I go, oh no, trust me, that's, that's a hundred percent a really good story. So people have a hard time, you know, to your earlier question, people have a hard time writing about themselves because they don't know what's interesting about themselves. Mm-hmm. So I can talk to someone for an hour and 55 minutes will be total useless. To what anyone cares about, but in five minutes, I'll know, I'll know what the story is. Um, I was talking to this guy um, from India originally; he's in Houston now. Yeah, he's about to be a client of mine. He was one of the rare people who understood it, and he's like, "Oh yeah, let me just tell you a little bit background about myself and my family. My grandfather uh, was one of the freedom fighters in India; helped Gandhi get out of prison." we were one of the wealthiest families in India. We had 17 businesses and then my family torpedoed 16 of them. So we lost everything. I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah, that's your story. And by the way, now you're launching a new company, but media's not going to care that you're launching a new company unless you talk about your cool family history, which is really fascinating. Absolutely. Um, so that that's the exception to the rule. Most people have no idea what their story is or should be, but my brain does know. So
2: interesting. So just to switch topics a little bit again, one other thing I know that's really important to you is your family. And I know that a lot of entrepreneurs and really business leaders in general sometimes struggle to be able to carve out that time for their family. Um, I know that it's number one priority for you. Um, so I'd just love to hear your thought process there and, and how you're able to give them the time that you want to.
0: So early in the interview, that's why I said I think there um could be more companies with my model where it's a high price point, low overhead, and you leverage your network on a global level to create opportunities for yourself and your network. And then you're easily able to pivot because of that. I mean, nothing has changed for me since COVID except no in-person meetings. I, before this, I spent a ton of time with my family, made as much money as I want to. And, um, again, nothing has changed other than businesses has just gotten busier. But I mean, I see my family and kids all the time, you know, during this process of creating and running a business. I talked to folks who are multi gajillionaires. And, um, and I always ask about their family and, uh, some of them when they're like, Oh, we never had, I never had kids and never got married because I was always in the business. And you, you, you know, I, I look at people when they talk and you look into their eyes and you see this profound profound sadness that it's very hard to describe unless you really look at someone like that. These people are wealthier than God, you know, but it doesn't matter because it doesn't, you know, who cares? You don't have a family or, you know, you it's sac, you know you basically sacrifice your whole life to make a business. And it's like, I just don't, that doesn't make any sense to me. My only contention with a lot of these Groups I'm in, it's like the you know, revenue is a big deal. I'm like, revenue to me is just a number driven by ego. It's a nonsensical number. Like, if your revenue is 5 million and your profit is 10,000, you know, like who cares? Like, my company mm-hmm. is essentially all profit. There's nothing to do with revenue, it has to do with profit. Yeah. And that enables me to do whatever I want, work with the people I want to, make as much money as I want to, spend as much time with my family as I want to. And it's like, well, I I just, you know, it's fine for folks that want to build these giant companies with a lot of employees. I respect that. It's just, for me, that doesn't make any sense. Like it's, that's not my goal.
2: Yeah. And it's a beautiful model that you've built to be able to achieve that.
0: I appreciate that. And like I said, it's only, it's only beginning like company's just three years old. You know, when it hit the two year mark is when I really, everything started to flow together. That's one of the chapters in the book that takes kind of two full years to really figure it out. But so it's really only been a year and year and a couple of months where I've really gotten into this higher level of thinking. And it's just going to continue to evolve. And then, you know, you keep talking to more and more great people every single day. There's no limit to it. And again, my brain is, it has the capacity to store apparently infinite knowledge and infinite names and things in my head. I'll be curious to see if it does actually max out. Um, I thought it might already, but it, it, it hasn't, it's not, I don't know. It just keeps going and going. So, but you know, the cool thing about being an entrepreneur is you just, if something isn't working, you just pivot. I mean, if you're not, if you're doing something wrong and you keep doing it, that's just, you know, that's a bad idea. So just pivot and figure it out.
2: No doubt. No doubt. So a few more questions i like to ask everybody who I have on the show. The first one is around the power of conversations. And I always like to ask my guests if there's one conversation they can point to in their lives that had a really meaningful impact on the direction that they ended up taking.
0: Dude, that's a really hard question because you know what I do all day is talk to people. (laughs) So this is uh, (laughs) 40,000, oh my God. We'll just do an uncomfortable pause here while I think about this. Okay, can we swear on this? Sure. So my father was 61. When I was born, he was a soldier in world war II. He was one of four siblings. All of them served in combat. He, my dad would be a hundred in uh, God, 1916. He'd be 104 now if he was alive. So he died when I was 13 hit. One of his brothers was named Stan. My dad was named Mike. So my, my, my dad's last living brother, he's not alive anymore, but, um, His name is Stan. He served in the, uh, in the Navy, a great man, no nonsense, no BS. So before he died, he, I took my then girlfriend, now wife to meet him and his wife, who's now also passed away. Stan was like a father to me, kind of He helped motivate me and mentor me after my dad died. But, um, so he met my wife and, uh, again, very direct like me. And so, after we after my wife and I were leaving his apartment, he was in a retirement home. He looked at me uh as she was walking, guiding in the elevator to go down. He goes, Justin, she's a gem, don't fuck it up. So that's um <laughs> I didn't fuck it up. And she's a great mom and um without her, there's no way this company would be successful. I mean, like I'm and uh she's kind, definitely not an entrepreneur, very stable um, uh, has a really good job as a doctor, um, tremendous wife, dedicated the book to her. Like a lot of people have all these dedications to everybody. i have just dedicated to her. She's given me this wonderful life and allowed me to embrace my entrepreneurial wackadooness And, um, yeah, so that was, that's one that had, you know, nothing to do with business, but everything to do with it as well. Cause there's no way you and I would be talking right now if, if I hadn't married my wife.
2: Yeah. No, that's great. That's great. It doesn't have to do with business. So that I I think that's a tremendous example. Um, second question, not nearly as hard, but (laughs) as as you think about all you've accomplished so far to date, if there's one communication skill that you could have had in more abundance that would have made it a lot easier, what would that have been?
0: That is just as hard. (laughs) The hell are you stomping me for, man? I've been giving you you gold here. And then you you, throw, you 39 minutes in, you stump me.
2: We can edit the stumpingness out.
0: (laughs) I'm an expert communicator, so there's one thing. Okay. um, One thing that I would do better communication-wise, I listen really well. I give way more than I receive. Absolutely do. Okay. I do have an answer for that. So I do a lot of self assessment tests. I'm on disc. I'm a, the highest D you can imagine, meaning like very direct. Boredom is worse than death. I can rub people the wrong way sometimes. So I work with. A, I have a lot of mentors, and a lot of them try to get me to change a little bit. And it's a it's a it's a quandary because because of my directness and intentionalness. That's why my a big reason why my company has been successful that said I am always working on trying to listen better and and not rub people the wrong way immediately if they don't completely mesh with my brain and trying to accept people for who they are that was very hard for me to answer that question because I'm such a high d and um And I know why my company is successful, but I know that very few, even entrepreneurs have a a brain like mine. And, um, and, uh, so I'm trying very hard to evolve that part of my brain.
2: Very cool. I appreciate that. Last question. Who's the best communicator that you know, know of, or know in person. And why do you say that about them?
0: Uh, by far Howard Stern. Um, I don't know him. One of the highlights of my journalism career, which is kind of funny, is that um, when they, I don't even know if he has it anymore, but he had his own news, Howard 100, Howard 100 News. He had his own news team talking about news on the Howard Stern Show, which was really funny. So I wrote a story when I was a journalist on the the executive director of the Howard Stern Show. His name's Tim Sabian. And so they, Howard Howard 100 News interviewed me about the story on Tim. So I was on the Howard Stern Show. Oh, that's great. Or on the, And so that's one of still one of the coolest things that's ever happened. Howard Stern is by far the best interviewer in the world. He's, he's one of the top 10 geniuses in the world. He's totally misunderstood by a lot of people. Obviously he's very crude, but the way he communicates and has built an audience. And again, like me, he knows he's not for everybody, which is fine, but he knows who his audience is. And does everything he can to build that audience and then also interact with them and make them feel special, which is how I want to be with my network and my clients and and how I interview people. So he is absolutely the, the gold standard for interviewing people, how he communicates, knowing who his audience is and who it isn't, and then building it um, at a super crazy high level, they will be talking about him and how what he did and what he built for, like for gener- for centuries. That's that's the impact that he's had.
2: I love it. I love it. I'm about to go learn a little bit from his interviewing skills. I'm a fan, oh but I haven't God. really thought about he's, looking at it through that lens.
0: He's the best of the best, and um, and his books are super interesting because he talks about his superpowers and what makes his brain work. And there's one part in one of his newest book where like, so he'll have a show, he'll have a show producer right before he interviews a celebrity, like read all the notes to him, just read it to him. And he'll just, he'll just stare, listen, and then he retains everything. It's amazing. He doesn't write any of it down. He just retains what they say. And that's how he absorbs knowledge my brain absorbs knowledge. Where again, someone will say something. I'll be like, "Oh, that's that person." Then, wherever thinks the same way, I'll just connect them. So he, I guess, he, weird to say, he and I have somewhat similar kind of superpower, weird brains for sure.
2: You've been on a show, so that's awesome,
0: dude. One of the highlights of my life, man. And then clip <laughs> is gone. The clip is gone. But no I, way. But I, I was. It's not there. I couldn't find it. But I was. 100% interviewed, interviewed by them. It was the, it was the greatest thing ever. So
2: I believe you. I believe you. So Thanks. final <laughs> question, where can folks find out more about Brepic? Where can they connect with you? Where can they learn more?
0: Yeah, the two best ways are go to my company's website, which is, uh, dot com. B as in boy, R, E, P is in pony, I, C is in cobra, LLC.com, brepicllc.com LLC.com, or I'm you know, I have 40,000 followers on social media, including more than 21,000 on LinkedIn. So Justin Breen on LinkedIn, I use it as a commercial for other people and blooded endless greatness for my network and for myself.
2: Very cool. Very cool. Well, I just really appreciate the time today. Um, I think we just learned a ton about how to network effectively and uh, a little bit about how to tell a really compelling story um, and lots of other nuggets along the way. So I can't tell you how much I appreciate it.
0: Thanks so much. I apologize for rambling if I rambled. And uh, this was a really good conversation.
2: Not at all. Thanks, Justin.
1: Don't let the momentum stop now. Continue your path towards connecting at another level by joining the Communication Nation. We'll be discussing today's topics as well as more real-world solutions to transforming your life personally and professionally at facebook.com slash groups join the Communication Nation. Remember, you're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and life. And that conversation starts right here on The Art of Communication.